Explore Milwaukee's past and its future, one building at a time. This is Urban Spelunking with On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo and me, Nate Immig, from 88.9. All right, Bobby, we're heading to my old neighborhood in Bayview. I love this little section. I call it the Target neighborhood. (laughs) (laughs) The neighborhood, like, just west of Howell Avenue and kind of by Humboldt Park, but a little bit west. And this week we're talking about a historic Tide House. This goes back to 1899, right? Yes, 1899. So it's an 1899 Schlitz Tide House. We've talked about a lot of Tide Houses over the years here on Urban Spelunking. Reminder, a Tide House used to be a tavern that was actually owned by the brewery and distributed those products and oftentimes located on these cool corner lots. They had all these specific to the brewery furniture and wares inside the bar. So just Schlitz top to bottom, right? Yep. It's heyday. So these yep. tight houses are just super cool. And this one was almost lost. It had a devastating fire in 2013. Yes. So this building had been a family grocery store and tavern from 1899 until like 1972, owned by the same family all those years, which was pretty amazing. And then it went through a couple of owners until 2013 when it had that fire, which I think people just kind of almost wrote it off and thought it it couldn't survive that. But over time it did and a family bought it and converted it into an Airbnb. And so now it has this new life, which is exciting for a building that we thought might just not have any future whatsoever. And one thing that I'm glad you reported on in the story was during the fire, there were some bands that were using this space as a rehearsal space and they lost all their gear and it was really devastating for them. And I'm thinking about all these old buildings we've talked about over the years that bands rehearsed in. We've talked about kind of the disappearing warehouses of Walker's Point and downtown. Mm-hmm. I mean, these these old places were really you know important to Milwaukee's creative community too. So they got their gear back, right? Their direct hit was affected. And what was the other band? Galactic Cannibal was the other band. I think a lot of bands used it over the years because when this story ran on on Milwaukee and it went to social media, a number of people posted comments saying, oh, my band used to practice in there too. So I think it, it had a number of bands over the years. But when the fire hit, it was Galactic Cannibal and Direct Hit. I hope they got their gear back and recovered from that. Okay, so this 1899, it goes way back. It had that fire in 2013. What happened between 2013 and 2023? I think it sat vacant for a lot of the time, and it took a while for the folks who bought it to convert it. If you look at the photo of the building after the fire that's in my story, and then you look at how it looks now, you'll understand why it took a little time (laughs) to make that conversion as well. Yeah, I mean, the fire looks like it was devastating. I mean, thankfully, the whole building is brick, so the structure was safe, but a lot of those windows, and it looks like the roof got it pretty bad, some of the... Yeah, and there were some wooden bays built onto the outside that had to be rebuilt, like looked like they had to be rebuilt. And yeah. Well, you would never know it looking at it today. It's really incredible, the restoration. And as you mentioned, it's become an Airbnb. So you can actually stay inside of a a Schlitz Tide House, which is pretty cool. And this is, uh, like I said, in the Target neighborhood of Bayview. It's on Burrell Street. So you can find a link in our complete story at radiomilwaukee.org slash podcasts. And coming up next, we're going to go back to 1899 and talk about those early days at the Schlitz Tide House. Stick around. That's next on Urban Spelunking. Do you want to know the secret behind the programming you love? It's all funded by the Honor System. As a public radio station, we're based on a very simple model. We try to do something meaningful, connecting with you through music and stories. And then we count on those who appreciate what we do to show their support. Are you one of them? 
Show your support by visiting RadioMilwaukee.org and joining today. Bobby back in Bayview in uh, the Target neighborhood, <laughs> right around Burrell. <laughs> Bar- Target, yes. Yep. yes. So I think it bears saying that, you know, Schlitz was one of the big, big, big Tide House builders yes, in Milwaukee, yeah. but also beyond. I mean, Chicago had loads, probably had as many or more than Milwaukee. And it was always interesting because Schlitz would use local architects. So, you know, all of the Tide Houses in Milwaukee tended to be built by the same small group of architects and in Chicago that was the same thing. It was a different group, but they also had like, you know, each architect that worked for Schlitz designed a number of different ones. So that's why when you see them in Milwaukee, they tend to be very recognizable. What yeah. were some of the like the um, distinctive characteristics of these Schlitz Tide houses and how did this one differ? Well, they, you know, like all Tide houses, they aimed to have them on corners because they were the highest visibility, highest traffic. You could see them coming from every direction. And the Schlitz ones were, you know, always had a corner doorway, um, as most of them did, and sometimes had turrets, often were entirely brick. This one is a little bigger than the other ones, and the, the bricking around the window is different than you normally see. It has a wooden turret instead of a stone turret or brick turret. It's got sort of it's interesting kind of keyhole-shaped window designs at the top of the turret, which I don't know that I've seen on any other of the Schlitz Tide houses. So it's got a sort of a distinctive look in that sense. I mean, those turrets are so striking and they just don't build turrets like that anymore, right? Well, no. And, that, you know, if you were coming up the street, it really helped the building stand out, right? I mean, you, there's no way you were coming up Burrell Street and you weren't going to see this place. Yeah, when you think about the neighborhood that this existed in when it was built, all the foot traffic that had been going on there, and in fact that it was a grocery store as well, must have been such a busy pedestrian neighborhood. Well, you know, Target wasn't built yet. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So everybody had to do, uh, you know, and the giant pick and save around the corner wasn't built yet. And you know what I mean? And this was a, you know, one half of this was a grocery store run by the Matusik family. And then the other part, was a tavern run by the same family. So they really kind of had people coming and going, right? People who wanted to come have a drink, they were there. They had, I'm sure they had a hall, like all these places did. So there were, you know, probably events there. Plus it was a grocery store. So people came there for milk, for meat, for food, for, you know, this was like a one-stop shop for the neighborhood. The neighborhood around it, it's like almost entirely multifamily housing around there. It's not like duplexes and apartment buildings. It feels like this has always been kind of a working class neighborhood. Yeah. And you mean, you think about how neighborhoods were so much more insular at the time. Like now, I mean, even if we love our neighborhood and we spend a lot of time in our neighborhood, who among us doesn't leave our neighborhood on a daily basis? You know, back then, though, I mean, you didn't, you know, people didn't have cars like we have now. People didn't like, you know, sometimes they worked down the street from where they lived. Their family, their friends all lived nearby. They had a grocery store on the corner. They didn't really need to leave as much. And so these stores were really, you know, Everybody who went into these places knew everybody else who was coming and going in these places. And it's really a kind of lifestyle that, at least in Milwaukee, doesn't really exist that much anymore. Yeah, we almost got a little taste of it during COVID. I remember during the lockdown, there's like a little corner grocery store really close to my house. They have everything but like a great selection of fresh produce, but it's, you know, it's pretty much everything you need. And they totally got us through the lockdown. I mean, it was one of the only places that you could go and, you know, get just like the basics. And 
having that neighborhood spot that's anchored there and is reliable and, and knows who you are. And that stuff is what neighborhoods are made out of. And I'll tell you what, though, after the I mean, the family that owned this place from 1899 until 1972, I mean, they've been gone since 1972. That's a long time ago. Right. But when I posted the story, there are still people who remembered the brothers that ran the place at the end, the elderly brothers. Who oh, wow. Were, who are the sons of the original owners. Loads of people were like, that was the Matushik's place. You know what I mean? Like everybody remembered it as this place that it hasn't been since 1972. So that tells you how important in the neighborhood it was. Well, if you look at the photos from directly following the fire and compare it to now when it's reopened as this beautiful Airbnb, it makes you, I guess, appreciate that this building was saved. I mean, it, it very much could have been bulldozed after that fire, but somebody saw the value in it and the importance of restoring it. Yeah. And, you know, the family that lived there had an apartment there, but also they rented apartments there as well. And so I thought it was interesting in in 1933, the owner of the building had written a letter to the newspaper complaining about publicly subsidized housing because he felt like it was cutting into the business of rentals for landlords like him. And he was talking about the he was renting apartments for 15 to 17 dollars a month. And you got five rooms and a bathroom, plus access to the attic, uh, presumably for storage, and access to a basement that had laundry tubs, a vegetable cellar, and a coal bin. Well, you had me at the coal bin. I mean, I know, right? But so now, (laughs) so now the Airbnb is really kind of a similar use. Of course, it doesn't have the the grocery store or the tavern in it, but I mean, it still rents. They still rent five bedroom and and a bathroom Airbnb space to people who want to live there. They just don't live there full time, right? What are some of the things the Airbnb offers? It's got a five bedrooms that can handle up to 12 people. Two of the bedrooms are king suites, according to the description. It does have the original, like on the first floor, really high ceilings, like you would expect in a tavern or an old grocery store. Still has hardwood floors. It's got four full bathrooms. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, and you can ease, apparently easily split the upstairs and the downstairs. So it's been apparently really popular with big groups who've come for various things yeah. or big families for like family reunions or weddings and things like that. Cause you could put a lot of people in it and you can still have some privacy, you know, like my family could be upstairs while my brother's family could be downstairs, you know, that kind of, that kind of thing. And of course the price of the rent, a lot of people asked what it costs to rent it, but that depends on lots of factors the season it depends on the season it depends on the the month the day of the week you know like it's, yeah it's like a, like a hotel i mean who can say whatever hotel room ever <laughs> ever costs yeah. right i always laugh when i look at when i'm in a hotel and i look at the like market rate for that's on the door <laughs> oh yeah like, and i'm like does anybody ever <laughs> yeah does anybody ever pay that <laughs> god i hope not yeah. well and then you know you sit on an airplane too and you look around and you're like every one of us paid a different price for this <laughs> experience that is probably. crazy when you think about it Well, the thing I most love about this story is it's a building that I've driven past a million times and <laughs> never thought twice about, right? And yep. here we are again, looking at the original permits to build this dated 1898. So just the history that's packed into this one little, you know, unassuming neighborhood building tells so much of a story again. And what I love about it is, I mean, it's, it was a family that was here for 73 years, you know, yeah. I mean, they just, mm-hmm. so much happened there. You know, the the owners who had lived there, they went through prohibition in that space. When World War I happened, one of their sons went off to fight in World War I, died of pneumonia in France, never came back. You know, I mean, it's just like entire lives of this family were lived in this place. 
and it survives, you know, and it's still there. And I mean, that's what I, that's why when I write these stories to me there, I'm interested in the building and the pretty bricks and the nice windows. And the, it's interesting that it's an Airbnb. It's great to see that it's still here. But the interesting part really is writing about these families who lived in these places, like, like the Matushiks. We can learn more about the Matushiks in the complete story at RadioMilwaukee.org. We've got a link to Bobby's complete story. And there's also a link in the description box of the player that you're using to listen to this podcast right now. So definitely go check out On Milwaukee. You aren't getting the full story unless you visit the website. I learned a little trivia in this piece, and it was this word. Crenellated. Did you hear that? Oh, yeah. Didn't know what crenellated meant. I looked it up and it says it is a wall of having battlements. And I'm like, what's a battlement? So you, so gotta, you have to look at that. So then you can break this down for us. Crenellated right. and battlements. Go. So another word that people use for that is castellated. Oh, which okay. is like which gives you a little bit of a clue, as does battlements, you know, like when you look at an old medieval castle and it's got that kind of jagged roof line. Yes, okay. Yeah, like that's, when that's I drew like a castle a, as a kid, you know, in a yeah. crayon. Yeah, like yes, exactly. <laughs> Okay. I was drawing battlements and I didn't even know it. Yes. All right. Impress your friends. You've got two new architecture terms, battlements and crenellated to work with here. Point those out all around Milwaukee uh, and tell me, listen to Urban Spelunking. And while you're here, take a minute to rate and review the podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback. If you could type a few words in the review box, that's great. About a five-star review will do as well. We'd appreciate that. And make sure you're subscribed. We've got new episodes of Urban Spelunking coming across your feed every Thursday from Radio Milwaukee and on Milwaukee. Urban Spelunking here on 88.9 is edited by Kiri Salinas. And make sure, of course, you go to onmilwaukee.com. We've got a link to this story and all the other stories that we've talked about on any episode of Urban Spelunking. You can find a direct link to Bobby's complete story there. So make sure you do that. All right, Bobby, talk to you next week. Talk to you next week.